ergonomics. Hello, my cubicle crunchers, open space slouchers, corner office crouchers, home den droopers, and coffee shop slumpers. My name is Brock Armstrong, and I am, as I like to say, not the workplace hero. The goal of this podcast is to make you into a workplace hero. I'm just here to give you a little kick in the butt every once in a while. Today's episode is all about ergonomics. The word ergonomics is from the Greek word ergon, which means work, and I think it's pronounced nomoi, meaning natural laws. And it refers to the scientific discipline that's concerned with the understanding of the interactions among humans and other elements of a system and the profession that applies these theories and principles and data and methods and stuff to design in order to optimize human well-being and overall system performance. <laughs> human factors engineering, which is also called ergonomics or human engineering, is the science that deals with the application of information on physical and psychological characteristics to design of devices and systems that humans use. Which is really just a fancy way of saying they try to figure out how to make it more comfortable for you to do something over and over and over again. Over at WorksafeBC.com, which is the Workers' Compensation Board in the Canadian province of British Columbia, they say ergonomics matches workspace conditions and job demands to a person's capabilities to improve worker safety and productivity. Applying the science of ergonomics can be especially helpful in reducing the risk of musculoskeletal injury, or MSI, which is the most common workplace injury. What is a musculoskeletal injury, you ask? Well, an MSI is an injury or disorder of muscles, tendons, ligaments, joints, nerves, blood vessels, or related soft tissue, including a sprain, strain, and inflammation that may be caused or aggravated by work. MSIs can affect the body all over the place. The muscles, the tendons, ligaments, nerves, blood vessels, joints of the neck, shoulders, arms, wrists, legs, the list goes on, I back, feet, all over the place. The main physical risk factors for MSIs associated with the demands of a job include Force, which is exerting force on an object as part of a task. Repetition, doing a task that uses the same muscles over and over with little chance of rest or recovery. Work posture, the position of the different parts of the body when it's taken outside the comfortable range of motion, like a awkward posture, which is usually combined with a static posture, like holding a position for a really long time. And it also includes local contact stress, like a hard or a sharp object coming into contact with the skin over and over again. For each of these risk factors, it's important to consider magnitude, frequency, and duration of exposure. A number of years ago, I worked for the government of Alberta, and I worked for the Department of Justice. And while I was working there, they gave us all kinds of options like getting some comfier chairs or those crazy keyboards that are split in half or some ergonomic mice that had more of a ball than a thing that you moved around the desk. Remember those? You had it sort of on your thumb. 
there were all kinds of options available to us to make our lives more comfortable and keep us able to sit in one place and stare at our computers for longer without developing any repetitive strain injuries. And most of the people that I knew had a problem called carpal tunnel syndrome. You're probably familiar with that. It has to do with having your wrist in a strange position or doing the same repetitive motion with your hands over and over again. Now, I took advantage of every opportunity I had to get more and more comfortable. I got this fancy chair that cost, I think, $600. I had that fancy split-in-half keyboard, and I tried that weird mouse, but it didn't really work for me, probably because I'm left-handed and they didn't make it for lefties. But either from using all of those really cool things or from just getting lucky, I escaped having a desk job with no ill effects. Now, not everybody is as lucky as I was, and in fact, our guest hero for the day is somebody who was injured very badly working at a desk job. Her name is Elle Russ, and I got an email from her the other day saying, I got severely injured in a workplace 20 years ago from a horrible non-ergonomic situation, and it ruined both of my arms for life. I am a prime example of what happens when your workplace situation is messed up for your body. And she put that in all caps, so you know she's serious. And I have so many tips and ideas and thoughts to prevent people from getting repetitive strain injuries. It's something I've never talked about on the air before, but it could be very valuable for your listeners and hopefully scare the heck out of them to get ergonomic in the workplace. So I couldn't resist. I emailed her back right away and I invited her on the podcast. Her name is Elle Russ. She's a writer, actor, life coach, and the host of the Primal Blueprint podcast. All right, well, let's just, let's jump right in and um, let's hear the story. How did, how did this, what happened to you and how did it uh, affect you? Well, you know, when I was uh, really young, right out of college, I got a great job in the tech industry in San Francisco. It was so booming. It was preparing for Y2K stuff. It was moving everything from, you know, MS-DOS to Windows NT. There were all of those major like upgrades in, in that arena and it was just the boom of it. And so, of course, Silicon Valley was on fire and I was working for a um, computer consulting firm, which was a huge business then, because you can imagine all these Fortune 500 companies needed all these extra programmers, all of this extra work, but they don't want to offer benefits and pensions to all those people, right? So it was a great <laughs> business uh, then, especially up in San Francisco. These companies were just booming because we would, you know, contract out consultants to go into these places, do the job, and then leave, you know? And it was a perfect relationship, and we made a ton of money. So we were at the computer all day and we were at our desk, we had our own office and, you know, we um, had the best equipment and I worked really, really fast. I just happen to be someone who's really quick and efficient. I'm a fast talker, uh, not all the time, but I can be very efficient that way. So I was just really quick and I excelled. In fact, I became the youngest person in the company to sort of exceed the levels of the other people who were doing what I was doing. So let's say there were about 11 people doing what I was doing. I was the most successful, brought in the most money for the company. And like people would walk by my office and go, how old are you again? And I'd be like 22. <laughs> you just like, they'd walk by and you just drop the mic. Pretty much. That's exactly what it was. It was, and I was a superstar, you know, and I mean, I was treated so well, they kept paying us so well. Everyone was just making so much money. And I was making six figures at the age of like wow. 22. Holy and, smokes. um, yeah, I mean, you can this only is, imagine. This is six figures American, too. That's right. And 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 only growing. So my next promotion before I got injured, I would have been making $300,000 a year. 
at the wow. age of 23. So you can only imagine this was an extremely exciting time. So going about my life. And then one day, um, I had like, there was like a furniture store down the street and there was like some little couch on sale and it was just one of those little kind of light dumb ottomans but i asked a friend if they could help bring it you know carry it the block to my house and as we were carrying it i kept having to put it down because i could not my arms were weak and i kept saying oh my god my wrists my arms are like weak i can't and i kept having to stop and that was my first red flag then my hands were like kind of purple the next day <laughs> a little mm-hmm. bit or something was I was in the shower and I was like what's going on and then all of a sudden I was just hit with I don't know how to describe it but I had horrific consistent pain and I basically had developed a repetitive strain injury from the computer and from horrible ergonomics Ten- tenosynovitis or just tendonitis in both of my hands and arms, which is exactly like what a baseball player would get, right? They keep pitching with that arm. They have to go out for a year. Then they come back. Then they get injured again. This is what happens with repetitive mm. strain injuries. So, but we didn't really know what it was and I didn't know what to do yet. So I'm kind of weak and I'm in pain and an employee, fellow employee heard me complaining about it. And I didn't know this then, but apparently she had been injured at another workplace before and she was concerned for me. So she called HR and she said, listen, Elle's complaining about her hands. I'm worried she's injured. The HR person called me and I said, "Uh, yeah, something's wrong. They're like, well, you need to go see a doctor. That's good. At least they were like they didn't fight you or disagree or anything. They're just like, go see a doctor. That's 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 a good step. And then that and then and then that girl, that same girl who kind of whistle blew it came into my office and said, uh, listen, I have to be honest with you. You need to know what's up because you could be going down a really, you have to get the right attorney. I've been through this. I had to go on workman's comp. I'm telling you right now. And I was like, what? I need to get to an attorney? Like, I just, you know, I'm 22, right? So even though I'm really successful, I'm still a 22-year-old idiot. You know what I mean? No offense yeah, to 22-year-olds out there, but I mean, come on. And I, and I, mean, I sore on. hands. Come on. Yeah. Like, and I'm like, what? Lawyer. lawyer? Yeah. And I'm, you know, and my company's wonderful and they're lovely and I'm not thinking anything shady, you know? So, but I was like, okay. So I go find like a workman's comp attorney and I go into her office and I had already seen like a hand surgeon, you know, uh, like the best in the city, San Francisco. And nice. um, in fact... The, the the place that I went to is where they literally invented microsurgery where you like reattach limbs. Wow. So if you can go to the best place, I mean, so I was like in the best place for anything having to do with your hands. So when I went to the attorney, she said, what's your doctor's name? And I told her and she literally looked at a list and she goes, oh, good. He's not on the list. Wait, so they had a list of doctors that they did trust or didn't trust? Didn't that were known to be shady and in the okay. hands and pockets of insurance companies. Those are the doctors that go, oh, they're fine. They can go back to work. And then you oh, see the person gotcha. at the grocery okay. store with the with like the, uh, you know, wrist uh, guard. And, mm-hmm. and, and listen, I go talk to those people. I've talked to several of them. I've been like, hey, I've had had problems. What's going on with you? And they're like, oh, the company doctor says I'm fine. Yeah, I bet he does. I bet he did. Hmm. And you're working with a cast? I mean, this is right. So I knew at that point, I was like, "Uh uh-oh, what's going on here? And um, unfortunately, I had to kind of learn about that world. Now, luckily, I you know, didn't have any issues or anything contentious along this process. Um, I did file a workman's comp claim, but here's what happened. I was so valuable to the company. I made them so much money that they kept me working there. Because my voice and the ability to speak and make deals was more important than my hands at that point to them. So they actually hired somebody to be my hands for me, which you can only imagine is like the most, I mean, talk about the company was accommodating at every level, trying to, you know, they didn't know what was going on. There was just a young company. I was probably the first person that ever has gotten injured, right? Because just I was the 10th person hired. Now we maybe have 40 people. And 
I got so injured and it was such chronic pain. I went to physical therapy three times a week. It was a disaster. It kept getting worse. I think at some point after eight months, they shouldn't have kept me working there. Technically, what they should have done is probably said, hey, look, she needs to go on workman's comp now and rest. And if she gets better, she'll come back. So I probably sealed the injury in because the company still had me working there. And this was all from from using a computer. It's not like you were a jackhammer. Nope. And I didn't play tennis after work or like I I wasn't even really that active then. So it's not like I was lifting weights and doing all stuff with my arms. The only thing I was doing with my arms was the computer. And I'll say this. My positioning. I'm short. Ah, I'm really short. I'm 5'2". So desks, chairs, you know, and things often just don't work for me, right? Like if I'm sitting on someone's couch, sometimes it's too high, right? You know, it's because I'm short. Where a lot of this stems from is when people are at the computer, and I just challenge everyone to look at your positioning and think about this. When you're at the computer, usually our shoulders are scrunched up. They're tensed Mm -hmm. up. Holding them up, you know what I mean? Like as you're, right? Because you're just kind of, you don't realize you're not relaxing your shoulders. That right there is constant motion aside from just the typing of the keys. Yeah. It's also the mouse, the positioning. And so, for example, my, I was probably sitting low and then reaching up high. So my arms were always sort of like, right? The shoulder, that whole area was always like up and lifted and tense. Um, had I had the positioning right, had a, st- a sit-stand desk, or just had it where the keyboard was lower, you know, than my waist somehow, right? Or, or yeah. ar- around there where I could have the arms sort of down. So, you know, and, and we looked into that back then. They, I had an ergonomic evaluation. They started to do that after I, um, which I was so happy about. 20 years later, when I first started working for Mark Sisson and the Primal Blueprint, I was so excited to see that he had offered his employees like a treadmill workstations and stand sit, you know, sit stand options. And, mm-hmm. and, and hey, be casual, come here and work out clothes if you'd like. I mean, you know, I went to work in a $1,500 suit every day with heels too. So <laughs> you know what I mean? So talk about yeah. full body jacker upping, right? But it really was that tense, tense holding up the shoulders, working 100 miles an hour, having my arms and wrists at at terrible positions. Um, And that's probably what did it with a combination of things. Now, there's lots of people who did the same thing and didn't get injured either. You know, so it's not that it's always going to cause it. So did you, were you able to to do some like physiotherapy or or some, wear some braces or have some surgery or something that that helped correct it? Well, surgery does not work for tendonitis, but it does work for carpal tunnel, which is often what a lot of people have. And carpal tunnel really is, you think about the wrist area, there's like a a ring with a hole in it and the tendons go through it. And when that gets all inflamed, that's carpal tunnel and they can kind of shave it down and correct it. With tendonitis, they can't. Um, Not not with my case. Maybe if there were tendonitis from like an injury or a you know, something like a laceration and they were able to like refuse a tendon. But in my case, mm. it's just one of those things that you have and you have it. Now, I did wear some wrist braces at first. What those were really there for is to stabilize it. They really don't help that much. The one thing they do help with is to train yourself to sleep on your back. So for 20 years, I've not been able to sleep on my side or my stomach because mm. of my neck arm issues. And if I do end up randomly in the night sleeping on my side, I usually wake up with some sort of neck or, or arm issue on that side and my arms will go numb. So training yourself, if you have an arm issue or you're starting to get one and you want to heal, I would wear a loose fitted brace at night because it really helps with while you're half asleep, right? And you're out of it. If you turn over on that arm, like you will naturally turn back over because that's not weird and uncomfortable. 
Do you know mm, what I mean? I yeah. It, but if you don't have that on in the middle of the night, then you kind of, your brain won't kind of figure that out. And so a lot of people who have shoulder or arm issues, I would suggest to do that to and have over these years because... Again, it's a tendency to go sleep on that side. But even just sleeping on that side of whatever arm, shoulder, or whatever's injured is in and of itself putting pressure on it. The other thing, too, that's really interesting is so I had to monitor every movement for, for a very long time. I went to physical therapy for three times a week for a year. Finally, the doctor was like, You're, this is what it is, and there's nothing more we can do for you. And at that point, my HR person called me and told me we did have a long-term disability own occupation policy. And so thank God for that, because I met people in physical therapy. A lot of people in physical therapy were dentists, people working with tiny, tiny tools and those awkward. Oh, yeah. yeah. Think about a dentist and what they're doing with those little tiny. We're not supposed to use these tiny little muscles like we do currently. Not life. for eight to 10 hours per day. That's for sure. That's like occasionally right. picking something off of, well, not a tooth, hopefully, but off of something isn't so bad. But yeah, 10 hours a day or eight hours a day is too much. It's too much. And it's you're bound to get some kind of injury, a back or this or sciatica or, you know, I mean, something's bound to happen. And so, um, you know, I consider my situation very lucky and I'm so glad I learned from it. But so everything from turning a key. And so this is what I've also learned. If anyone out there is having an issue with their arms or their hands, whether it started or they're trying to heal one or whatever the case may be, you got to look at every which way you're using your hands. That means don't cook holding a pan over the thing. You know, it's, it's almost like you have to go, I need to conserve all movements of my hands. So what do I get rid of that I don't have to do? And that can even be including like, you know, if you're laying down on the floor and you're watching TV or something and you kind of rest your, you know, you have your elbow bent on the floor and you have like your hand in your head, kind of like mm -hmm. yeah. that right there is something that like you'll never see me do. Or you'll see me do it for a second, and I'm so programmed over all these years that I will stop. Because to me, that means, are you really going to choose to use your arm that way? Yeah. You know, I have to be efficient about my use of arms now and will be for the rest of my life. And that's okay. I want to let everyone know I do live 99% pain-free. But I get flare-ups. It's still there. Just when I think it might not be there, if it comes back and I get a flare-up, it can be a little bit upsetting, you know, because it's a reminder that I actually do have this limitation. And that sucks for a person like me. That being said, I think I surpassed every limitation by writing a best-selling book with my mouth <laughs> so so you know and there's ways around and i've been using voice recognition software since 1998 wow the improvements in it are amazing yeah it was terrible back then <laughs> it was terrible but you know actually it was better than nothing and yeah. um thank god for all of the text voice dictation and that's another thing so i would say to people if they're getting issues you have to look at every way that you're using your hands and arms and you have to minimize everything for only the times when you really need it these problems i mean people have called me over the 20 years my friends like oh my wrist is hurting or you know like what do i do oh no and you know the biggest thing with things like tendonitis or repetitive strain injuries is stop it stop rest heal it's your only chance i'm, I'm also a perfect example of this can happen anytime anywhere you don't have to be old to get disabled yeah, well, I feel like even even more so with uh, with younger people, we're we're much more reluctant to take time off and to let things heal and to actually admit there's a problem when we're younger. And that's when I know I've I've got some problems stemming back to my my days as a ballet dancer. I didn't want to take time off because, well, I would have missed out on some some fun and some great roles and stuff. So I've got some chronic pain in one of my hips because I wasn't willing to take the time off. And I'm sure that that isn't, uh, I'm not the only one and you and I aren't the only ones who were in our twenties and did something stupid that'll 
affect us for the rest of our lives. Yeah, and you just, you know, you go, go, go. And also, you're, you don't know what's happening. You don't know. You think, oh, it's going to go away. Or, you know, you just, you don't know. So you just kind of keep going. And um, it was a really crazy experience. But I will say this. It was one of the best experiences that ever happened to me. Same with, um, uh, for those of you out there, I wrote a book called The Paleothyroid Solution. Recently, um, I'll, I'll plug myself here, bestseller, yeah, bestseller in three categories on Amazon. But I went through, you know, also many years later, I went through a bad hypothyroidism situation, got myself out of that. And, you know, both of those scenarios are amazing gifts um, for a variety of reasons. But the reason, well, first of all, having that own occupation, long-term disability policy saved me and it enabled me to then pursue another path. Yeah, so now think back to, to when you were 22 and, and this was happening and also sort of looking at what our audience members might be might be doing with their lives. What are some of the, the tips that you can draw from your experience and just things that you thought of that you could give to the audience to, to try out for themselves when they get to work, say, tomorrow morning? I mean, when you can, speakerphone. When mm. you can, headset. Because just me holding an iPhone up to my ear, again, my arm's bent. It's in a crux. There's pressure somewhere in that arm, yeah. in that hand. Yeah. There's weight on that wrist. Just do it right now if you're listening. Right, I'm doing it right now with my phone. That's So if I were to hold up the phone um, to my head for a while, uh, I'd start to have a problem, which is why I often do speaker or headset. So that's like one stupid thing everybody can do. Um, yeah. If you can dial that way as well, again, you're not pushing. You're not boom, boom, boom with that index finger on the keypad. So any way that you can limit it with technology is what I would do. Also, I really would say... You got to stand, you know, if you, if you have to make shift to sit, stand, work station at work, or you have to sta- stand at every conversation, just kind of pace, get an ergonomic workstation, bring your laptop, work on that and put it on your lap. You've got to take breaks, um, any kind of stretching. If you're having any problems, don't do yoga. Downward dog will kill you. Mm. Nothing that'll put pressure on your wrists. Um, I have to make so many adjustments in yoga. Thank God my yoga teacher is so awesome because he knows my situation. So he lets me do my own thing in the back of the room because, you know, I can't handle some of the regular yoga. I certainly can't do the arm balances. I mean, I could technically. I'm skilled enough, but it would just be stupid for me to do that. One of the things that really does help me, though, is exercise. So if someone's starting, you know, and that was the one thing that my hand surgeon told me. I said, I don't want to take anti-inflammatories and all this kind of stuff. And he goes, well aerobic exercise has been shown, you know, to get like the blood flow, oxygenate the blood and get things flowing. And at the time I had dead weight arms and I really couldn't do, you know, even walking, you swing your arms. So I got a pair of rollerblades and I lived in San Francisco and I would like painfully kind of hook my arms behind my back, you know, kind of, and I would rollerblade as long as I could. And then a friend of mine suggested swimming. And this has become a really important part of my life and my injury, actually. So I had been a swimmer as a kid, but never as an adult. And my roommate at the time was like, listen, you know, why don't you get a snorkel and mask, like a lot of the old guys at the pool who had shoulder <laughs> injuries, <laughs> and come to the pool with me, and you could just dead weight your front, your top half of your body, but you could at least like move around and get, you know, and I was like, okay, And so I started to do that. And then over time, as I got stronger, and once I got out on workman's comp and didn't have to be at work anymore, and I finally started to heal, I kept with the swimming. And to this day, I still swim very regularly. And I have to say that that keeps me like aligned in that area, and kind of free of you know, issues. And when I don't swim or do things like stretchy yoga or or yummy, you know, just moving the body around, I do get more flare ups. So doing nothing 
would actually probably bring about more issues for me. Um, just being sedentary. Well, you hear that more and more, like even when you're recovering from surgeries and stuff, like they get people with knee replacements out of bed, like 24 hours after the surgery and get them moving around because the, they're experiencing more and more that just being still is much worse than just moving. Yeah. And usually what they do is they throw those people right into the pool too. <laughs> mm-hmm. Nice. I think that is a that's a great place to leave it for for the audience in terms of so things that they can look for in their day is just really consider every piece of movement, every piece of technology, every piece of of furniture that you're using at work and really think about what its impact is or could be on you and and how can you mitigate that? Yeah, and that includes even coffee cups. So I want to just throw that out there. So oh, first- wow. So you're like standing at the office or you're walking around like, let's take a walk with a friend during a break and you're holding a cup in your hand. That is work on your hand and your wrists. But if you just implement these few things over time, it becomes natural, right? You eventually watch TV, you have your hand on your head, you're like, oh, and you just kind of automatically, it's like your body goes, nope, don't do it. I, there's a fellow named Kelly Starrett, and I know, Al, you're you're familiar with Kelly's work. He wrote yeah. a book called um, uh, Becoming a, a Supple Leopard. And I met him last year, and I was just sort of watching him. He was sitting in the corner at an event that we were at, and he was sitting in a squat, like a full-on squat. And he had his phone out, and he was texting on his phone, but he wasn't holding it like most of us do, sort of that surreptitious way where we hold it sort of by our stomach or by our sternum, and we're cranking our neck down to see it. He was holding it full-on right in front of his face, so his neck was nice and straight. His eye line was still to the horizon, but he was holding his his phone up and texting like that Mm. while he was sitting in a full squat. And ever since I saw that, I've been very aware of how I hold my phone when I'm, like, if I'm walking down the street or if I'm even sitting on the couch or something. It's, I always remember to bring the phone up in front of my face. And it's, it's little things like that, isn't it, that we just have to build into our life. It's so the little, it's so the little things and even just like crossing legs and having that be kind of a tense closed off thing at your desk versus opening them up or, you know, stretching them out or maybe getting an ottoman for the office, putting your feet up. I feel like you need to write another book. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny at the time, even though I was not planning on being a writer, I was so upset about what was happening to me that I actually drew this little thing where I was like, I'm going to write a book called My Arms Are On Fire. (laughs) That's what it felt like. Because when you have severe tendonitis, it feels like very harsh sunburning. It can be a dull ache as well, but it can feel almost like sunburn. So yeah, I think it's, it's important to be aware, you know, we talk about mindfulness in all of every arena of spirituality or or um, eating even, you know, and all these kind of areas. Well, what about like mindful workplace? But like, you've got to look at how you're moving your body all day long. Because if we were to do a motion, like uh, what do you call it? The motion capture, the time lapse. Mm -hmm. If you were to do a time lapse motion capture of someone at their desk or even you throughout the day, oh my God, it'd be like hands and arms all over the place. Think about it. Think about how much you use your arms. You brush your teeth, you wipe your thing, you dry your hair, you brush your hair. You Mm -hmm. know, also two purses and things like that. Carry a, if you need to get a fancy, cool backpack, but carry a backpack. Even pressure on both arms is better than the slant and holding also when you're holding, if you're a woman and you're holding a purse with a strap in, let's say it's your left arm, there's still, you still kind of like hold that purse with your hand and you got your arm cruxed. You need your arms to be free and dead free and weight free. So to and from work, backpack. I mean, that's what I did. And uh, it was kind of the only way I could 
even carry anything. So, you know, those are kind of things to consider as well. Like, are you carrying some big computer bag and all lugging this crap around on one shoulder? I mean, that, that can do it right there, <laughs> you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I know a lot of bike couriers that are very lopsided. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> They're like always biking to the left. They're like, <laughs> Yeah. They just, they ride in a circle basically. <laughs> they never get anywhere. Okay, this is terrible. We're we're falling apart. We're making fun of bike couriers now. But before I let you go, I need to let the audience know where they can find you and find your books and find your all your work and your podcast and all that kind of stuff. What's where's the best place to go? Um, you can go to my website, lrus.com. That's e l l e r u s s dot com. And my book, The Paleothyroid Solution, is on Amazon or in Barnes and Noble stores. And I'm also the host of the Primal Blueprint podcast, which you used to edit. And we miss you. Um, mm-hmm. And we do that every Wednesday as well, where I interview people in the paleo primal sphere that's great that's so easy lrus.com e-l-l-e-r-u-s-s.com easy for everybody to remember and thank you so much l for coming on to workplace hero i will make sure to put uh links and information everything that we talked about over at workplacehero.me slash ergo Over at nutritiousmovement.com, Katie Bowman writes about what I consider to be the most healthy way to look at ergonomics. And you may remember Katie from the Sitting vs. Standing podcast episode over at workplacehero.me slash stand. Well, this is what Katie says on her website, and I'm pretty much just going to read her blog post verbatim because I can't improve on it. So here we go. The positioning of the human body is critical, as it is the position of the parts and how these positions are utilized throughout the day that create the forces that end up shaping the body. However, most of the parameters for good positioning stem from ergonomic science, which does not necessarily mean what is best for you and your body. The trouble with using ergonomic science when selecting optimal posture is that ergonomics is not the scientific pursuit of what is best for the human body, but the scientific pursuit of how the human body can be positioned, as in one position for eight or more hours at a time, for the purpose of returning to work the next day, and the next, and the next, and the next, until retirement age. Finding an optimal working position, then, is not about your long-term health as much as it is about your production value over a short period of employable time. It is critical that we read the fine print on the ergonomic prescription label. Warning, being still is detrimental to your body. Or, said another way, there really isn't a best way to sit for the body. There is only a way to sit that loads the parts damaged by chronic sitting in a less damaging way. And to focus our energy on optimal stillness is like researching for the most nutritious 600-calorie diet instead of solving the problem of being underfed. Defining more clearly the terms posture and alignment can be helpful to remind us why it's not a position that we're after, but a set of forces under which the body responds well. So, posture is the way in which your body is positioned when you are sitting or standing. Explaining posture a bit further, posture is the orientation of parts. You quantify posture by measuring how parts are aligned relative to each other, as well as how they're positioned relative to the ground. Or maybe it's easier to think of the body on a grid where you can plot the parts on this graph. 
Now alignment is the proper positioning or state of adjustments of those parts in relation to each other. So both position and alignment have to do with positioning, but they differ in that the alignment's definition includes the word proper. It is the idea of proper that sets the two apart. Proper doesn't imply better in a condescending kind of way, but it is defined as of the required type, suitable or appropriate, if you look it up in the dictionary. Just as there is a proper diet for the human, or the horse, or snake, or tiger, there is a proper alignment. So, just as a proper diet is made up of a vast array of nutritional components, proper alignment is made up of nutritional loads that are varying and unique to the physical structure, and that results in a particular genetic expression that deems your structure. Wow. Thanks, Katie. I love the way she looks at things. So basically, the idea of ergonomics is a good one. If you are somehow constrained to have to sit in front of your computer without getting up and breaking up your day, if the outcome of your manufacturing plant or job is that you have to maintain this uncomfortable position for a certain amount of time, or like Elle was talking about, let's say you're a dentist and the only way you can get your job done is to use those tiny little muscles in very awkward positions over somebody's mouth. Well, you don't really have a choice. And in that case, ergonomics plays an important role. But for the rest of us that have some flexibility in our lives, Let's forget about ergonomics and deal with the fact that we really shouldn't be maintaining these positions for 8 to 10 hours every single day. So your homework for this week is taking a real look at your job and how you get things accomplished and seeing where you can make these choices between choosing good ergonomics or choosing a completely different position entirely. Hopefully over the next five days, you can identify times in the day where you can break up your posture, your positioning, your load, and your repetitive motions and find times to do something different and stretch out your body and move your body in different ways. And if you can't find those moments, then of course, look at the ergonomics, look at your positioning, make sure you are in the right alignment and the right posture. Workplace Hero is researched, written, and narrated by me, Brock Armstrong, in Not So Rainy Today, downtown Vancouver. Podcast logo by Ken Cunningham, and music by my old band, The Irregular Heartbeats. Today's heroic topic is courtesy of L. Russ, who you can find over at www.lruss.com. That's E-L-L-E-R-U-S-S dot -S com. Now, go make this week comfortable.